In today's episode, we're going to be talking about charter schools. Charter schools are a type of school option available in the state of Indiana. They are free public schools available to all students. Public schools began in Indiana some 20 years ago, uh, and they were really there to meet the needs of their community. If a community wanted to focus on the arts, they can establish a charter school. If a community wanted to focus on STEM, they can create a charter school that would allow them to do that. So one of the things that really uh, is valuable about charter schools is their flexibility, their ability to adapt to the needs of their community and really create curriculum that serves that community's needs. And so as such, today we have a wonderful guest that has been fighting for charter schools in the state of Indiana for quite some time. Marcy Brown Carter serves as the executive director of the Indiana Charter School Network. The Indiana Charter School Network is part of the Institute for Quality Education. Its goal is to serve as the voice for charter public schools across the state. The organization serves over 100 of Indiana's charter schools, and it really does serve to bring them together to give them a voice, and to be a resource for them. This is Education Matters with My School Options. Marcy, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are. Well, I am a, I run the Indiana Charter School Network, and I am married, and I have two boys who are 10 and 6. We live in downtown Indianapolis. Awesome. 10 and 6. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Um, and they're both boys, right? They are both boys, yes. How do my you like... This is always loud. <laughs> How do you like being a, a boy mom? It is great. Ugh. It is fantastic. Yes. It's a lot of fun. That's what my... Uh, one of my good friends, she was a boy mom for a very long time and then just recently had a little girl. So <laughs> it changed the whole dynamic of the house. I can imagine. Yes. Uh, so, um, whenever, you know, whenever you kind of got started in, in your career, um, what really led you to this? I mean, you know, what, what'd you go to school for? What was your, your degree in? Uh, my degree was in history and political science. Uh, and I went to law school after that, but as a lot of good careers do, it, it happened completely by accident where, um, I had a college internship at the Indiana Chamber of Commerce. And I met the man who uh, was their education lobbyist who the next you know, summer when I was in college asked if I wanted to do like the best summer internship ever, which was sure. just research news articles at home, you know, wearing my jeans and t-shirt. And I said, yes, that sounds like a great summer job. Um, and here I am basically still in education more than 20 years later. So um, excellent accident. This just led to a lot of fun things over the years. Yeah. So that's kind of how you got your start, huh? Uh-huh. So um, there you were as a, a youngster getting your, your start in education. How did that evolve? You know, that, that was your start. But what was the next steps that you took to kind of stay involved in the education world? Uh, after I graduated from law school, I had the opportunity to work at the U.S. Department of Education. 
the office that I worked in just happened to administer uh, a whole bunch of federal grants, including all the school choice grants that the the federal government administers. Yep. So I was already a little bit familiar just from, you know, that internship that I had, Mm -hmm. reading a lot and doing some research, but um, I got to actually work uh, with with those school choice grants, as well as some others, but, you know, learned more about it and really enjoyed it. I had the opportunity to come back home to Indiana and work for Governor Mitch Daniels, which you don't say no to that kind <laughs> of opportunity. Um, so I, I did that. I got to come back home and bring my education experience back. Wow. So you have spent time, it's in D.C., right? Used Department of Education, mm-hmm. D.C. Cool. And then you come back to help out Mitch Daniels. Was that was that when he was governor, he asked you to come and get involved or? Yes, yes. Uh, I was there. I came um, for the end of his first year in office. Oh, awesome. Um, and then you also worked with uh, Tony Bennett, Dr. Tony Bennett, correct? Yes, I did. I worked uh, for Dr. Bennett's administration uh, the full four years that he was in office, and that was a lot of fun as well. So what did you, um, what did you do in his office? What was your, what was your role? Uh, I, I had two. I started out as chief policy advisor, and then um, later on, I was the deputy chief of staff for the department. How did so? I mean, you're working with these two, like really like rock stars when it comes to education reform in our state. Uh, you're working with them. How did working with them kind of change or shape your view on school choice and education? Uh, you know, it really solidified it. Um, I got to see a lot more up close what the opposition was Ooh. to to school choice um, working in the state house. You know, it's much more personal. It's much closer to, you know, to real people than working in D.C. So, um, yeah, so learned a lot more about the, you know, the arguments on all sides of the issue. Got to learn cool things about, you know, how the state budget affects education policy, um, how laws and regulations get made, you know, how, you know, affect, affect um, all the policy and how that all trickles down to how schools are able to do their jobs and educate kids. That's a very cool perspective. You know what I mean? Like whenever people think about education, they really don't think about all the little pieces that go into and the big pieces, you know, from, mm-hmm. from yep. the top to the bottom. And you got to see that and witness that. Yeah. Learned a lot. Um, and I think we got to do a lot of, a lot, make a lot of cool changes. So uh, a lot of cool changes. What does that what does that mean? What were the cool changes you you did while you were there? Well, if you can believe it, there was a time um, that the state did not pay for kids to go to kindergarten for a full day. Ugh. Only paid for half day kindergarten. And so one of the biggest things uh, when I was working for Governor Daniels was his his top legislative goal for the year was to implement full day kindergarten. The state paying for kids to go to kindergarten for a full day. And you'd be surprised how challenging that was. So we worked really, really hard on that. And it was a huge accomplishment. What were some he of the... Also, oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go. Go ahead. Uh, what were some of the, the opposition to that, you know? <laughs> well, it's obviously a really uh, large addition to the state budget. So um, so some folks were just a little iffy on, you know, could the state afford that? And um, how might it be uh, phased in over time if they couldn't afford it? you know, immediately? And how do you, how would you um, kind of prioritize different populations or different areas of the state? It was just a lot of conversations along those lines. There had also been previous, some previous study um, that had shown that the effects 
that the positive effects of full-day kindergarten kind of wore off by the time kids got to third grade or fourth grade, something like that. And it was, I mean, it was an old study then. Yeah. Um, but some people were still really swayed by that. Gosh. Okay. Well, look at us now. We have full-day kindergarten. <laughs> there we go. I know. <laughs> okay. So what else? What else were some, some cool things that you did while you were there? Uh, well, uh, working for Dr. Bennett, we... Um, in 2011, I got to be part of uh, a huge expansion of school choice um, in in Indiana, uh, where the state's voucher law was first enacted. Uh, we were able to pass a number of pieces that helped expand uh, the ability of charter schools to grow, including um, allowing new entities to authorize or to start up charter schools and some other other pieces like that. I was also able to be involved in a number of large federal grants and initiatives that, um, you know, boring maybe to some on the outside, but what, you know, is really important is that they brought a lot of national money back to Indiana. You know, we, we, Hoosiers pay a lot of taxes, but don't always get a lot of that back in the form of grants. Mm -hmm. So that was a, you know, a huge thing that Governor Daniels and, and Dr. Bennett really were interested in. So we were able to bring a lot of that money back home for uh, the benefit of our own students. I love that. So much. Uh -huh. What was it? Uh, so we always talk about, you know, 2011. It was that big year for school choice. Um, what was it like to be there during that time? You know, I bet it was uh, it was exciting. I mean, you passed something that no other state had been able to pass before. It was exhausting and incredibly fun. Um, you know, it was a, to a total blur. Um, uh, yeah, just, a, you know, so much camaraderie. So many amazing people um, throughout the department that we had, and of course the governor's office and the general assembly, who are all working so so hard, you know, for common goals that um, were going to be great for students across the state. And um, you know, obviously, when you pass multiple multiple laws in a big package of reforms, mm -hmm. um, it just takes so much effort and focus and. Um, and and people all working together, which is not which is sometimes you know easier said than done, but it was actually done that year. So um, yeah, huge huge wins for everybody. You know, like I love that you have said that because to accomplish something of that magnitude, it does take many many people all striving for the same thing, all pushing for the same goal, and um, to have all of that. Um, to come together all at the right time, um, it feels like a miracle in, in some instances because, you know, it, it takes all of that. It takes all of those people at, at the right time doing doing the right thing. Yes, it sure does. So, you know, you, you went and worked for, um, you know, Governor Mitch Daniels, Dr. Tony Bennett. You made some, you were part of the teams and, and helped to make real change happen in education here in this state. I have a great background in education. What what made you come and uh, come to the Indiana Charter School Network? Uh, well, I had actually taken a little time off working when my oldest son was little, just with the idea, you know, that I was going to come back right back to work um, as soon as I found the next really cool opportunity. And our IQE's president, Betsy Wiley, who I had worked with in the Daniels administration, approached me about um, the startup of a new charter school um, Association for Indiana because one had previously existed, but it had lost its major funder several years back. But Betsy, with all of her knowledge, great connections, and political knowledge in the state house um, and lobbying on behalf of school choice issues, got to know a lot of folks in the charter sector in Indiana um, who kind of said, "Yeah, I think I think we do need 
a voice, a central voice that we can talk to about our challenges and our problems, and then someone who can in turn sort of talk on behalf of our whole movement, um, you know, to advocate for us. So, um, so Betsy was able to start up the Indiana Charter School Network within IQE. And I was very, very lucky to be hired to kind of get that off the ground. And I'm happily still doing this, um, you know, eight, nine years later. That's so cool. So, um, so can, can you tell us a little bit about like the need to have this when it comes to our charter schools? I mean, they're out there on their own. You know, these schools are independent. What's the, what's the need for the Indiana Charter School Network? Why do we need it? Sure. So, you know, charters are, like you said, independent. They don't have the support of kind of a, a centralized district office like like district-run public schools do. So um, not that we play the same kind of role in, in dictating, you know, curricula or anything like that, but we, we just tr- try to provide support for them that they don't feel like they're getting anywhere else. So if they say, gosh, I don't feel like I'm getting training in, you know, X topic, Marcy, can you help me find somebody who's really good at that? I'll, I'll jump at that opportunity because, because almost always, if one school is asking me for it, there are others that, that have the same kind of challenges. So, um, you know, trying to find different training opportunities for them, um, giving them really necessary information that they might need to know. I'm thinking of, you know, all of the different government um, mandates, uh, opportunities, programs, challenges that happened during COVID. Um, in particular. So making sure that uh, because because running a school, a charter school can be so hectic and um, leaders can be wearing many, many hats. You know, they can be the transportation director calling all the buses um, in addition to being the academic leader of a school. So if I can help them centralize information from the state, from the State Department of Education, or in the case of COVID, from the State Department of Health or other organizations, help to make sure that they don't have to spend their time tracking all that down and figuring out what it actually means for them. That's that's definitely one of my major goals. So a lot of communication about what's going on at the state level. Uh, we also do, uh, through the great work of IQE, um, we lobby on behalf of charter schools at the state house too. So between those two things, major communication about state level policy and issues and challenges and grants and you know the good, the bad, and the ugly, we also just work really hard on their behalf to um, get them equitable funding or changes in the law that they need, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing all the stuff that you do to support our charter schools around the state. And um, your organization, you said, you know, it, it's housed here at IQE and uh, it's very unique. You know what I mean? It, it serves our our charter schools. It's a really amazing arm uh, that does amazing things for schools. But but overall, what what's the mission and the goals of ICSN? You know, it's really simple, but really broad, uh, just to support charter schools in, in any way that we can uh, so that they can they can do their jobs better and educate kids better in their communities. How many charter schools, Marcy, do you have? Uh, well, one, how many charter schools do we have around the state? And then how many have come together to form the charter school network? So there are about 140 charter schools. Um, I hope that's right. Um, and 90%, right around 90% of charters are members of, of ICSN. So I'm pretty proud of, of having been able to recruit each one of those myself over time. 
Oh, that's, yeah, that's great. These schools, you know, uh, where are they positioned typically? Where, where do you find a lot of them? Uh, you know, they're all over the state. Um, not too surprisingly, you've got a, a large concentration in, um, in Indianapolis in the center of the city. You also have a very large concentration in Gary. Um, but then otherwise, they are sprinkled all throughout the state. You have some in Evansville, some in Fort Wayne, South Bend, um, Bloomington area. Um, and then, you know, a few in Southeast Indiana, um, some in Northwest Indiana, but, you know, outside of Lake County, um, or other places in Lake County, other than Gary, like Hammond and East Chicago, um, and Merrillville, um, a new one in Lafayette this year. So they're really at, oh, and even some rural charter schools too. We've got some in Lawrence County. We've got some in Sullivan County, in, um, Shelby County. So, uh, so very cool. Uh, there are really are charter schools um, sprinkled all over the state. And uh, what makes charter schools so cool is the fact that they get to be unique and they get to be um, creative and flexible in the curriculum. So what's some of the, the neat things that your charter schools are doing? Like what, what are some of the ways that, that make some of these schools really unique and um, appealing? So I categorize charter schools into two unofficial categories. Uh, one is charter schools that are serving uh, kind of a hyper-local neighborhood that just isn't being served well by another comprehensive school. So um, that is in a number of, you know, that that is tending to happen more in our rural areas and our small towns where you're seeing school consolidation. You know, a school district will make the really tough decision to have to close some schools um, because they're potentially losing um, losing enrollment. But that leaves big chunks of counties without any school at all. Sometimes folks having to drive across an entire county then to get their kiddos to school every day. So the local community takes it in their hands to say, we can support and we deserve to have a school in our local community. Um, it happens in, you know, your urban areas too, where um, where there's just sometimes not a good, strong, um, academically sound you know, school in, in a given area. Um, so kind of a similar thing happens. The other category that I, that I sort of see schools in is, is kind of a niche or an interesting uh, curriculum or approach. So we have charter schools that focus on a Montessori education. We have charter schools that are uh, looking, at, looking at, you know, some angle of STEM, um, science, technology, engineering, and math education. We have uh, schools that focus on special needs populations, like, um, you know, there's one school that looks uh, primarily at educating kids on the autism spectrum. Um, we have adult high schools that, that just focus on um, kind of our workforce, um, workforce, you know, in Indiana. If you're 16 years or older and you didn't graduate from high school, we know that you still need to in a lot of cases, that diploma, if you want to get yourself trained up for a new career. Um, and so we've got a lot of schools uh, in places around the state that are that are educating with a, with a real high school diploma and connections to higher education or career certifications, um, you know, folks that are folks that are adults already. So, you know, that's kind of how I see it, uh, uh, you know, serving a community really well with a broad kind of comprehensive education or serving a potentially a broader geographical area, but with um, kind of a specialized curriculum or approach. Wow, that's so cool. So it's like 
really the thing about charter schools is you can look at your community and look at the need, whether it be, you know, just a, a school, a viable school option or, um, you know, a specific um, emphasis on, you know, STEM, um, you know, whatever it may be. It's really it's the community that 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 drives that. That's exactly right. I love it. I love that. Um, okay, so um, we talked about you know the the community that that you serve, and, and you really you just work with the schools, right? Now, when it comes to um, you know engaging the local communities, parents, um, educators, uh, you're really focused on the schools, right? Yeah, my main my main audience is is school leaders, or sometimes there's a chain uh, or a, you know kind of a local network of charter schools. So a lot of times I'll be working with principals, building leaders, or network leaders. Um, but thankfully, we have the great work of my school options, Sarah, that you're part of that that connects our schools. Um, you know the work that I do with with local communities, with with um, you know advocates within communities and with families and parents. Uh, so let's turn to um, advocacy and the impact of school choice. Why school choice? Uh, and, and what this, what I mean by why school choice is, why are you involved in school choice? Why do you stand here today in support of this issue? Like, what is it? Is it your kids? Is it, is it your family? Um, is it your education? What's brought you to school choice? Oh, you know, I. I I can't say it initially that it was anything profound. It was just learning about, you know, I grew, I grew up in the era where there was just a, you know, a public school or, you know, maybe if your family was well off, a, you know, a private school option. Um, but learning that there were options, uh, potentially public, potentially ways to pay for private school um, that all kinds of families could access, it just struck me as, um, you know, the right thing to do for families. Um, and it, you know, it seemed as simple as that from day one when I learned about it. Like, yes, this is how education should be. Um, families are the ones who work hard and pay taxes um, and should get the benefit, in my opinion, of, of having options for what, you know, how those tax dollars get spent um, on their own kids. So um, once I had kids, uh, that, I, I was, uh, that belief was only reinforced because my kids have very different learning needs. So different schools are always going to be, um, you know, necessary for my, for my kiddos. So school choice is, um, yeah, now near and dear to my own heart too. Cool. That's so cool. Uh, it's almost like you saw it from like a policy part and then, um, you know, it all just came together when you had your babies. Uh, exactly right. What are some challenges or misconceptions that you've encountered when discussing school choice with someone else? Oh, gosh. Unfortunately, there are so many misconceptions. Um, one of my least favorite is, uh, is that school choice um, takes away money from public schools. Um, that, that one I just can't stand. It drives me crazy um, because, of course, the money is taxpayer money. It is, it is you know, the individual families. Um, who send their kids to schools, whose money it is. It's it, that money does not belong to school districts themselves. So, um, so families should have a say in how that gets spent. So that's, that's my least favorite. Um, you, you get, um, you, with charter schools, you get that, um, that they're really more like private schools, that they're able to cherry pick the top students. Um, and we can, we can tell just simply from looking at demographic data that's available from the State Department of Education publicly, 
that that charter schools serve, um, at least in Indiana, a significantly higher proportion of economically disadvantaged students than district schools do. They serve a significantly higher proportion of minority students than than district-run public schools do. They serve um, essentially the same um, percentage of English language learners as well as special ed students. So um, that's another another myth that I like to bust as often as I can. That you know the type of students that charter schools are serving. So those those are those are two of my two two of my least favorite. Well, I think you know it's this is a great point to make here is that charter schools are public schools. Thank you. You really can't say it enough. <laughs> yeah. So can you? For everybody listening, can you explain why charter schools are public schools? You know, maybe maybe break that down a little bit for some people. Yes, please. Charter schools are free, public, and open to all. Um, so they're free. That means they get the same state and federal dollars flowing to them to support their operations, just like just like district-run public schools do. Um, they do not charge tuition. They are not private schools. Um, they are you know, they are they are public. Um, they are open to all. They're not not allowed to have um, admissions criteria other than a few very simple things like a sibling preference, you know, which which everybody else has too. Uh, all their all their you know public schools, right? The the siblings of a current student, you know, can get in get in line first if there's a there's a problem with um you know with capacity at at a particular building. So um, they are free, public, and open to all. They are. However, run by nonprofit boards, mm-hmm. like a 501c3 board, just like any other local nonprofit or national nonprofit that you have. So run by community members as well, who just happen to be appointed instead of, uh, you know, elected through an elective process. But they are required by law to be nonprofit entities. So they are free, they're public, they're open to all. So uh, I, tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong in saying that. They get their name charter schools because of the charter that they receive from these nonprofits. Is that right? The, yes, the charter or a contract between the, the school organizer, um, you know, parents, community members, educators who come together to start the school to actually do the work to to make the education happen, and an entity called an authorizer um, that is an expert in what it takes to to have a coherent plan to run a school well. So uh, we have different um, different authorizers in Indiana. So, um, some of those are public and private four-year universities. Um, there's a state um, government entity called the Indiana Charter School Board that can that can authorize schools. The mayor of Indianapolis can authorize schools. So it's um, so it's it's entities like that. How how do you how do you become that entity? Do you is there really is there a rhyme or a reason to it? So that everyone who is allowed to start up charter schools is specifically named in a state law. So no one, no one who's not named in the state law as a potential body who's able to start schools up uh, can can come and just start a school. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Marcy, you know, we're talking about charter schools. They're public yeah. schools. Uh, but charter schools in Indiana started in 2001. And that was in an environment where you had choice the choices you had was to live in the school district and go to that assigned school or pay for a private school and then it's 2001 and we passed this groundbreaking law to have charter schools all around the state and and what did that mean back in that i know you know you weren't really a part of that but uh what did it mean at that time for for us to have this so um the state of minnesota was the first state um in the us to have a charter school law 
And that was about 30, uh, 30 plus years ago now. So Indiana um, was able to to watch and see as Minnesota and then a few other states kind of took on charter school laws. Um, and they were able to see that it was an opportunity for there to be a public school choice as opposed to just private schools for families who are looking for options. Um, and it was really meant to do things like empower families, to empower educators to start schools that they believed, you know, like this is this is how kids should learn, um, or this is the kind of school that my community really needs. Um, so uh, Senator, State Senator Teresa Lubbers, um, who is now retired, um, worked for seven consecutive years to get Indiana's charter school law passed. Um, with the help of of many other uh, wonderful allies in the General Assembly. Um, you know, so it worked really hard to get that passed um, and to kind of make the case for for why Hoosier families deserve to have this kind of educational option. Um, yeah, so finally passed in 2021, and our first charter schools opened the fall of 2002. Sorry, I said 2021, and I meant 2001. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just, it's so great to hear that charter schools have been around for over 20 years. I mean, they, they have, they have been here. They, it's evolved, you know, the, we started school choice, the state of Indiana in 2001 with charter schools, and then we continued to evolve it and change it. And then here we are, it's 2024. How do you see the future of school choice happening, Marcy? Like what's going to happen next? Well, I really hope that we can continue to see a broadening of where our charter schools are located. It is wonderful that cities like Indianapolis and Gary have so many charter options, um, in, a, in addition to all the, you know, the private school choices that exist as well. But, um, you know, like I mentioned with rural communities and smaller towns uh, where we're seeing some charter schools pop up. Um, I'm really hoping that we see more more of those communities kind of taking ownership of their community and and starting schools there. Also seeing potentially more charter schools in the Indianapolis area, just not in the center city, perhaps in some of the townships surrounding Indianapolis public schools. Um, so that's that's really my hope. I, I I really hope and believe that we will see see school choices reach new communities. I love that. So um, expanding out, you know. Um... Any challenges that you see to this? Well, equitable funding for charters has been a challenge since, you know, since almost day one. Um, charter schools, uh, I've noted, receive state and federal public school dollars. But the piece that they don't get is any funding from local property taxes. So school districts use local property taxes to pay for their buildings, to pay for the mortgages on their buildings, to pay for buses and transportation, um, to pay for some technology. And uh, for a number of years now, they've been able to, to pass local referenda, if they can get the votes, to augment any of the regular property tax funding that they get for any of those purposes. They can also pass a referenda to pay for operations, like you know an increased teacher salaries. So charter schools have access to none of that. Wow. That means they're paying for their buildings out of the money they should be using to educate kids and pay teachers. Wow. So that has been and continues to be a huge challenge in the charter world. So what have you done? You guys have been making a lot of big strides, you know, because that, that's one of the, the things about the charter school network being housed within us. Uh, we work together to advance policy. 
what's some of that policy that you guys have been pushing in recent years? So we've been working on uh, with, of course, uh, closely with our allies in the General Assembly to try to figure out what is a way that we can either get access to property taxes directly or to come up with one or more uh, solutions that would allow charter schools to have a similar amount of money if the General Assembly is not interested in actually sharing the property taxes straight out. So um, there's a number, there have been a number of proposals out there. We are interested in talking about all of them with legislators, and we will continue to do so. In the 2023 budget, we did, uh, for the first time, get a few, a few exciting um, foundational pieces passed that we hope to build on in, in future budgets. One of those was a, was a $25 million uh, grant fund just for charter school facilities. Wow. Uh, we, we hope, yes, it was, it was great. Um, $25 million is a lot. Um, we were hoping for something more like $65 million. Oh. <laughs> so um, grateful truly for what we got and grateful for the mechanism to be there in the first place. Um, but we've got a ways to go on making it a, a truly meaningful amount of money. Um, that's something that that schools can count on year after year that they can budget for a new roof or you know something based on. Mm-hmm. We did also very exciting uh, get the opportunity for charter schools in four counties. That's Marion, Lake, Vanderburg, and St. Joseph counties. Um, the opportunity to share in uh, local operating. Um, dollar referenda. Yeah. So um, none of none of those have. There have been a couple that have. Uh, one, I should say, that has um, a, a vote that's come up that could have given schools in Hammond access to some of that money. Unfortunately, that referendum didn't pass. So we we haven't seen it work yet. But there there's no doubt that it will. Um, but we still we have um, work yet to go because four counties is is like you know like. Like you can tell, not ninety-two. So we're yep. we're looking for that for that law to eventually be expanded to um, to help charter schools all over the state. So so we've got some, like I said, good foundational pieces in place that we need to just work really hard to expand. So uh, when you when you say referendum, that's like a referendum, uh, what on the ballot or like a referendum? That's right. Okay, then so power to, yep. power to the people. <laughs> that's right. Yes, to allow char- you know this would allow charter school parents to come alongside of, of um, you know, public district school parents and say, we all want this money for our kids in our community. Wow. You know, we all pay it. We all should share in it. I love that. I mean, that's just what charter schools mm-hmm. are all about, right? Um, right. Community coming together, uh, you know, community need um, with these schools. Uh, that's really, really cool. That's right. Do you have any insights for any individuals aspiring to make an impact in education? You've got all these, we've got all these fighters out there that are, that are wanting to fight for school choice, push for school choice. Uh, what is your advice? Well, my, my, my most important advice is start with your family and your local community. You know, you've, if you've got kids, you'll fight the, at the school that they're at to get them, to get them what they need. Um, look at all the options available to you. To see if there's uh, there's you know a more ideal setting for your your kiddo to learn in, um, that you know that certainly happened to me with my own family. My my younger son is um, in a school that I never would have thought of. We kind of looked at it the last minute, and it ooh, it turned out to be like the exact perfect place for him. So you know don't overlook all the options that are in your local community. 
Um, and certainly you can get involved in your local community. Number one, you should be voting for school board members. Um, you should be paying attention to what they what they believe in. You should be watching what your school does closely, getting to know your local legislators um, so you can talk to them about issues and challenges in your own community. I'd say, honestly, that's the very most important thing you can do to make an impact in education. So as a, as a mom, you know, we'll put your mom hat on. You talked about finding the perfect school for your child. How did you go about doing that? That's something we get asked all the time as the outreach arm. You know, how do I find the perfect school for my kid? How did you do it, Marcy? Well, I've tried a lot of schools, honestly. <laughs> um, between my two boys, yeah. uh, they have attended uh, district public schools, uh, district magnet schools, charter school, and private school. Wow. Um, so we, we have tried them all. And they were all uh, really good for different things and less ideal for other things. Um, so, you know, I know that it's not easy to, to find the really the right fit. Um, but don't be discouraged and don't, you know, if you're, if you're getting too many no's or too many answers that you, that you just don't sit right with you, that you know aren't quite the right decisions for your kiddo, um, keep looking. You know, keep, keep looking for something else. There's no magic. There's just there's just trying it out, and don't be afraid. That, you know what? You'll try not to make any mistakes because it's your kid. But you know, I, I'll be honest. We we made a mistake or two along the way, and I'm sure it won't be the last time. <laughs> but we keep trying. I love that. You know, and you found their 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 homes when it comes to their education. It sounds like so that's great. Uh, so yes. uh, finally, um, last question for you. Marcy, what keeps you motivated and passionate about your work at the Indiana Charter School Network? Uh, you know, obviously, I know what um, what kind of passion I have for my own kids and their education, and and I just don't find it hard to put myself in the shoes of other parents, um, no matter what kind of challenges that they might be facing, and um, and know that whatever they are having to do with their day, their life. Um, I get to do this, which maybe in some small way can help them achieve their goals for their kids. And that's, that's incredibly motivating. And it's, it you know, makes this job incredibly easy to get up and do every day. That's awesome, Marcy. Uh, so great having this conversation with you today. Uh, really appreciate you being here. Thank you for everything that you do for charter schools, charter students, charter families across the state. Um, you've done yeah. amazing work. Thank you so much. No, thank you too, Sarah. And that's why education matters. If you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. And help us get the word out about school choice and all the options available here in the state of Indiana.